is Bad Boys and Beyond with your hosts, Mike Payton and Keith Black Trudeau. The game's over and the Pistons have won the world championship. Welcome back to Bad Boys and Beyond. I am your host, Mike Payton, along with our other host, Keith Black Trudeau. And we are still sort of riding a high from last week, aren't we, Keith? That was that was huge. Isaiah Thomas came on the show and, and just rocked it. Yep, that was that was a great episode. I am looking forward to more great episodes for the rest of the year, more outstanding guests. But I'm not gonna lie, Isaiah Thomas may be the best guest we ever have on this show. Uh, all due respect to, to Grant, who who has already been on this show. But uh, I, I am looking forward to having more very interesting guests and some more great interviews uh, in the next 12 months. Yeah, hopefully, you know, we're always trying to get more Pistons legends on here, and hopefully we can uh, continue to do so. But Isaiah coming through, I mean, that was like, you know, one of those surreal moments where you just kind of pinch yourself, like you just can't believe, you know, that this is happening. If I would have, I mean, I had his poster on my wall, you know, if, if I would have told 10 year old me that, Hey, so one of these days, you're going to, you're going to talk to uh, Isaiah Thomas on a podcast. The first question I would have asked is what's a podcast. But then after that, it would have been like, no way you're kidding. <laughs> Um, I'm just I'm just glad that he and I had the exact same uh, opinion on Vinnie Johnson versus Ricky Pierce. Yeah, that was that was cool. That was in he automatically knew where you were going with that question. And that just worked out really well. If you uh, if you haven't listened to it all yet, uh, if you haven't listened to it yet, it's it's in the archives uh, anywhere that you're listening to your podcast, where you're listening to your podcast right now. You could listen to that Isaiah Thomas episode right after this one. Uh, or you could stop this one and go listen to that and then come back to this one, whatever, whatever makes you happy. But uh, we had so much fun doing that. And and a uh, special shout out to the Detroit News and MLive for picking up the uh, the story and, and printing our names in the newspaper last week. That was pretty awesome uh, for them to to share uh, Isaiah's big uh, McDonald's story with Chuck Daly with the rest of the world. And um to be able to see your name in, in print like that is uh, it's pretty cool. And, and newspapers that, you know, my parents read, read growing up. So it's, it's a big deal. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that, that was, uh, that was pretty neat. So yeah. Uh, today we are going to be doing the 2011 NBA draft. And this is a uh, sneaky, sneaky deep draft. And um we're just going to go ahead and, and jump right into it because Keith, we are in the uh, the dead zone for NBA. Uh, unless you want to discuss uh, Drew League, which I'm not even 100 percent sure has started up yet. Uh, but there's nothing to talk about at this point. So. Even even in the Drew League, there's really nothing to talk about. It, the Drew League is just an example of why NBA players are so so much better than even the average uh, rec league pro. Uh, they are space aliens c- compared to the rest of us that are even good at basketball. And it, it's just weird. You, you see NBA players, they can just casually stroll into a, to a Drew League game and drop 70 points. 
and and walk out of the gym and, and no one really blinks an eyelash because they expect it. Yeah. Uh, the, the good news is this particular year, we will have basketball uh, in late August, as soon as the Women's World Cup ends, a week after that, the Men's Basketball World Cup begins. So we will have some Team USA stuff. Uh, Jalen Duran was added to the, the select team, which practices against the USA team along with Kate Cunningham. So there will actually be quite a bit more to, for us to talk about than there usually is during the, the dog days of the NBA calendar, which is late July through September. Well, that is uh, refreshing. That is going to be really nice. And uh, it's going to be great to see them beat up on, I don't know, Croatia or whoever it is that they're going to play, Spain. Um, who- to, 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 to be fair, they did lose the last time they were in this tournament. Oh, boy. Uh-oh. All right. Well, they, we'll they, lost to, they lost to France, who, who this time around will probably have pretty close to the same roster. I, I believe Victor Wembanyama is sitting this one out. Okay. So they will not have him, but I think they will have the rest of the French roster that beat the USA four years ago. Does Britney Spears uh, have anything no, to do with him sitting out? Or sorry, does Britney Spears have anything to do with him sitting out? Or. <laughs> No, no, I think it's it's just him being smart. Uh, yeah. He's trying to get ready for his very first NBA season. I don't think you want to have a, a month's worth of a high, highly competitive uh, international basketball games uh, on your legs going into training camp. That, that's probably a wise decision by him. Yeah. I, I don't expect him to sit out uh, the Olympics next year, but I, I do believe he'll sit out this one and – pick and choose his battles from this point on because he is a, an amazing prospect, but he's also a very skinny seven, five kid. Uh, you want to be very cautious with him. And I always compare it to a, a young big league pitcher with a, a hundred mile an hour arm. You you don't want him pitching. You can't treat him like every other pitcher. You, you don't want him pitching all the time. You have to keep him on a, an innings limit and gradually increase his workload until his his arm is ready to handle it. And I think you you make the same case about Victor Wembanyama's uh knees and feet. All right. Well, uh, I guess we'll we'll have to see uh what happens when the USA men's team gets going here soon. Uh, but until then, the 2011 draft Keith, what kind of news and notes do you have for this bad boy? This is such an interesting draft. Uh Deep. When you look Very at the, when you, yeah, when, well, the thing here's the interesting thing: there were only two all stars uh, selected in the top ten picks. That's not necessarily out of the ordinary, except when you look in totality, there were seven all stars uh, taken in this draft. And as of today, uh, <laughs> July of 2023, uh, this is the most all stars of any draft class in the 2010s. And five of them were picked outside the top 10. This draft was mostly known for GMs taking big swings on potential and missing out on the actual potential guys that that fell through the cracks. And you had a lot of very good teams picking up uh, very, very good players uh, that they should not have had a chance at. Uh, 19, 19 players from this draft class currently have double-digit career scoring averages. Compared to most draft classes, that is that is incredible. Uh, th- this may be uh, the best all-around draft pool of the 2010s. 
But keep in mind, 2017, 2018, 2019, those guys are still building careers for themselves. So this could change over time. Uh, interestingly enough, the Pistons have one of those double-digit scores. Uh, they were able yes, to draft yes, one they do. We will, we will get to him at some point. There, there is multiple Pistons uh, in this oh, draft. Yes, yeah. We, we will get to one for sure. I don't Definitely. know about the rest. We will see. Definitely they are on my board. Okay, I also have them on my board as well. We'll see if, if I know one of them will definitely get drafted. We'll see if the other one does. But uh, let's oh. – uh, oh, anything else? No, 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 that's it. So with the, the number one pick in this draft belongs to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, Mike, do you remember by chance how they how they got this pick? Uh, they were horrible after LeBron James left? They were, but if you notice, they also pick fourth in this draft. That is their own draft pick, not the first. People forget about that. Oh. The, the, the Cavs did not necessarily win the first pick. A team owed them their pick, and they won the draft, and the Cavs got their pick uh, by extension. Uh, do you remember what was traded to get this pick? I do not. Uh, one Baron Davis which who was salary dumped. Yeah, your reaction, exactly. Uh, Baron Davis was salary dumped uh, to the Cleveland Cavaliers in exchange for a few future first-round pick, uh, I want to say four or five months before, uh, prior to that. And as idiots, <laughs> uh, they, they did not protect the pick at all. Uh, the so, yeah, the Clippers did not – protect the pick at all so that the Cavs are more than happy to take Baron Davis's contract in exchange for an unprotected uh draft pick and which conveyed four months after they made the trade it, it's one of the mind-boggling trades uh, of this century to be honest with you wow so the, the, yeah the, the Clippers already having Blake Griffin uh could have had the number one pick again for the second time in two years and they blew it okay so Without further ado, representing the Cleveland Cavaliers, I am not going to waste any time here. Uh, I am going to pick Kawhi Leonard, number one. And this is a very, very rare instance where a player that won a championship for the team that he was drafted to arguably was the wrong choice anyway. And I'm going to tell you why. Look, Kyrie Irving, hell of a player. We will get to him in a minute or maybe two minutes, who knows. Wonderful player, but he, along with LeBron James, went to the finals for, well, three consecutive times and won one championship. And then Kawhi, or, uh, Kyrie Irving asked out, and LeBron went again without him. All right, here's the thing. Uh, I think with Kawhi Leonard, uh, I, I think LeBron... Uh, could have led the Cavs to multiple championships. I think they could have competed with the Warriors, even the super team Warriors. I, I cannot imagine how amazing uh, a Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James forward tandem would be. I don't care who the guards are. I don't care who the centers are. I think at one point, uh, those are arguably the two best forwards in the NBA, uh, all due respect to Kevin Durant. And Kawhi Leonard, the only guy in NBA history to beat uh, Kevin Durant in the finals, beat Steph Curry in the finals, and beat LeBron James in the finals. Uh, 
what else can you say about this guy other than when he's available, he is a, the one of the ultimate winners in the history of the sport. Uh, two finals MVPs for two different franchises. Uh, one of the best two-way forwards in the history of the game. Yes, uh, as we all know, he's injury prone. Uh, his falling out with the Spurs was very, very ugly. He essentially sat out an entire season. To this day, he content, he could uh, continues to load manage his way, uh, load manage his team out of the playoffs essentially because he skips games, and then when the playoffs comes, he's not healthy anyway. But those are complaints for down the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think for the next six, seven years, you you pair Kawhi Leonard with LeBron James for for four years. I don't think Kawhi Leonard is is asking out. And I, I think you're looking at multiple Cleveland Cavalier championships, not just one. So I, I rest my case on that. Yeah, I think they definitely steal one of those from the Warriors uh, instead of stealing. You, you have you have the ultimate guy to guard Kevin Durant all of a sudden. Yeah, that is uh, that's a really interesting pairing. I guess when I that's how I had it too. I had Kawhi Leonard going to the Cavs number one overall. I, I didn't consider the idea that LeBron would still come back. Uh, for some reason, but, but that is, that is quite a, I mean, that changes a lot. Um, well, speaking of holding off problems uh, and talking about them later, uh, the second pick is up and it's with the Minnesota Timberwolves. And I'm going to take a guy who ha- has been like the epitome of problem child. But when the guy gets on the court, he is, he is insane. He's amazing to watch. I'm taking Kyrie Irving with the number two pick. Uh, Yes. I know that, you know, this year, Ricky Rubio was going to play his rookie year. Um, Team also has JJ Barea, but Kyrie is, it blows both those guys out of the water. Like he changes this Minnesota team around completely. He makes them a a legitimate, a legitimate team, him and Kevin love. It's an interesting pairing. They, they, we've already seen them win a championship together. Sure. LeBron James was a part of that. But we know that those two can work together, and um, I, I think it's really interesting to see what this team could be with with Kyrie. Although, you know, we know he's just going to leave in like a year or two, anyway. So, I, th- I think it's kind of interesting you're pairing Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love in Minnesota. Uh, can, can you imagine, by the way, the uh, the uproar after the Cleveland or after the Minnesota Timberwolves draft? Uh, Johnny Flynn and Ricky Rubio in the top ten. Yeah. Uh, two years before this, they they pick another point guard <laughs> with the second pick. Uh, that would that would have just. I look, it would have been the correct pick. I agree with you. Uh, I, I may not have. I mean, I may not have picked him here, but I can't argue against it. Kyrie Irving of everyone in this draft class has scored more points. Uh, he has the highest assist average. Yes, he is a a massive head case. Uh, he he has issues that when he's off, it just interferes with the entire team chemistry. It interferes with the locker room. And quite frankly, it doesn't make him a very likable guy. But the bottom line is, he is in terms of raw talent, uh, the the best ball handler that I have ever seen. With all due respect to every other player that's ever played the game, I understand the the dribbling restrictions today make it easier to do what Kyrie Irving does without getting called for a travel. Uh, but the fact remains, I can call him the best ball handler of all time. 
and no one's going to argue with me because it's true. And he does, to his credit, he he was the, the second best player on a team that won the championship against a team that had won 73 regular season games. So, yeah, there's, there's really not much else I can say about this other than it would be hilarious if the Timberwolves wound up with another point guard because they can't seem to get it right. Hey, use use the Lions as a perfect example there. Roy Williams didn't work. Charles Rogers didn't the work. Same thing. Calvin yeah. Johnson did, though. You just draft them until they work, man. Draft them until it works. I mean, it didn't save Matt Millen's job, but I, I no. that's the only thing I will ever credit him for. Yeah, was is... after screwing up on receiver after he he made the obvious pick. He didn't try to to save face. He 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 swallowed his pride and took the obvious best player in the draft. Okay, so. Uh, the number three pick belongs to the Utah Jazz. Okay, uh, Utah. Yeah, they're 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 into their uh, their little renaissance. Uh, we've got Gordon Hayward already. He's coming off of his successful rookie season. We've got Al Jefferson. Uh, yeah, Paul Millsap is still there for a little while longer. Uh, Damari Carroll, Alec Burks. They've got a good team. Oh, Raja Bell. Yeah, this is a nice little tough team. But look, they don't have the firepower. And that was always the problem with the Jazz in the 2010s is they don't have the firepower. Now, I am going to go against uh, my better judgment here. I will not take who I consider to be the best overall player on the board. I will take the player that is most likely to make the Utah Jazz a much better team. And that is going to be Clay Thompson. Uh, Clay Thompson, if not for Steph Curry, might be considered the best shooter uh, of his generation, which is it's kind of a sad irony because Steph is his teammate. Uh, but together they have won uh, four NBA championships together. Uh, they are arguably the greatest backcourt in the history of the game. They are certainly the most successful backcourt in the history of the game. And look, Clay does what he does. He's not a guy that's going to handle the ball a lot. He's not going to, he's not a guy that's going to create for his teammates, but he is a guy that can score 53 points or 56 points or whatever he scored against the Pacers and only take seven dribbles because he is that automatic. Once he catches fire, uh, very much like Reggie Miller used to be 20 years ago. And aside from that, he's also an excellent defender. I, I think he fits this Utah team like a glove. I think you could move Hayward over to the three, and there's really no no extra problems. They're an excellent defensive team. I, I think he would grow with this team much like he grew with uh, Steph Curry on the Warriors. It, it's all a matter of, you know, how does he change their their team building process going forward? I like that a lot. Uh, I, I mean, he's he's a star over there. He's the number one guy in Utah. He's not, you know, part of the, Sl- the Splash Brothers. He's the splash guy, you know, like he's the splash man over there. Uh, that That's an interesting move. Of course, if I were him, I'd be looking for the first thing smoking out of there as soon as I can. But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, that's a good pairing. That's exactly how I had it too. Uh, so far you and I are completely in sync on things. So next up is the Cleveland Cavaliers coming around again. They had the number one pick. They took Kawhi Leonard. We assume that LeBron James is still going to come back. So with this pick, I uh, 
might as well just go up and select the Larry O'Brien, uh, Larry O'Brien uh, trophy because they're going to win a championship because I'm taking Jimmy Butler with the fourth pick. Uh, it's very interesting. You're going to have to do some maneuvering around. Thing is, Jimmy can play can play the two. We've seen him do it. He did it in Chicago. Uh, he, he played power forward this year. I mean, the guy, he could play all over the court. But you're going to have a lineup with Jimmy Butler, LeBron James, and uh, and Kawhi Leonard. LeBron's not leaving Cleveland again, guys. It's not happening. Uh, this team's going to win multiple championships. The Warriors dynasty is not going to exist anymore. Um, it's it's going to be incredible. Uh, of course, I don't know. You know, maybe you'll get those first couple early years where Jimmy wasn't that great. Yeah. Wasn't, wasn't quite Jimmy buckets until like year three. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that yeah, this is an incredible mix of players here. I I would love to see this. Yeah, of all the drafts to have two picks in the top four, <laughs> this is just an embarrassment of riches. Yeah. And, and thank goodness the Cavs did not have the benefit of, of foresight uh, because they took Tristan Thompson at this spot uh, in, in reality. But, yeah, Jimmy Butler, it, it's weird because he's actually the number two player, overall rated player on my board. Uh, I, I passed on him prior, uh, but – because I didn't think he was a great fit, but here's the thing. I don't think he's a great fit for the Cavs, this Cavs team either. Yes, he can play the two, uh, but as we both know, he's not really a guy that's going to space the floor. So there are going to be, you're not going to get that same incredible spacing that the Cavs had where they were just tiptoeing the ball around the court, playing five out and killing people with three pointers. Look, obviously, Jimmy, I'm not going to say that Jimmy Butler can't win a championship with LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard. I just think there's a bit of a log jam there. And I, I think there was a, a perfect replacement for, for Kyrie Irving on the board. But aside from that, yeah, Jimmy Butler, a lot, a lot of people, I just got done comparing <laughs> Clay Thompson to Reggie Miller. I, Jimmy Butler gets a lot of that that same praise, and not because their play style is similar, but because Jimmy Butler is a very – it's weird because he's he's a printing all-star so to call him a pedestrian regular season player is not fair but he goes from being a top 25 to 30 player during the season and then in the playoffs he's a top 10 player uh, he he consistently raises his game almost every single postseason and every postseason we pretend to be surprised by it uh, uh just a few months ago, he led the Heat on one of the greatest postseason runs in NBA history that didn't uh, involve it winning a championship. Uh, he is, as as far as uh, toughness goes, he's probably the the single toughest player in, in, over the, in the NBA over the last ten years. I cannot compliment Jimmy Butler enough. I, I do not love his fit here, but the Cavs just have so much ridiculous talent. If, if LeBron decides to come back to this group, I don't think it's going to matter. I don't, I didn't think the the Heatles were a great fit for each other either, but they won two championships because they had more talent than everyone else. Okay. So the Raptors, and this is going to take me very little time. I am going to select you know what? Oof. I'm actually starting to think about it now. Uh-oh. Oof. Like there's a player that's clearly one of the that's that's clearly the best on my board. 
the Raptors are kind of rebuilding. You know what? I am going to take uh I'm gonna take Nikola Vucevic. Oh, that's what I wanted to do next. And it's interesting because the Raptors actually, in, in reality, they did take a franchise center. It just wasn't Nikola Vucevic, who turned out to be way better than anyone anticipated. Uh, he was a very okay player at USC, but he wasn't a guy that everyone was looking at saying this guy has an incredible NBA future ahead of him. But no one realized that he he had a, a really nice perimeter shot. So, yeah, Nikola Vucevic, I'm playing the long game here. Uh, he's going to be very good for a, a number of years. He is still good today. And I, I know the Raptors, if things go the way that they go, they're going to be contenders late in this decade uh, and into the following decade. I know he's going to be good for a very long time. And picking him here, I, I know he is going to be around and be effective by the time the Raptors are ready to challenge for a championship. It's not necessarily because I think he's the best player, uh, but he's right up there. And I, I think he's the best fit. It, it's, it, it's interesting how Philadelphia, um, they gave him up for, for Andrew Bynum or uh, in, in this three-way trade with uh, the Lakers, the Sixers and the magic. And everyone thought the magic got, got, just screwed in this deal. Everyone laughed. Oh, you got Nikola Vucevic, you know, and, and it, it turns out Orlando got the best player uh, in that, or at least they got the most production in that deal by far. Oh man. See, I was hoping that you were going to do something else and set up uh, what I thought would be perfect for the wizards would be to yep. take Vucevic. Um, and that would have actually canceled out a trade that they were going to make for Nene after the, after the draft. Um, but I guess, I guess they could still take Nene. Um, you know, there's a point guard, there's a great point guard on the board right now, but the wizards already have a great point guard in John wall. Yeah. So I already know what your dilemma is. So I'm going to take, uh, Tobias Harris to, uh, to join the wizards. Um, this guy is, you know, a steady, Steady, I think, is the best word to explain what Tobias Harris is. And Detroit Pistons fans, you know him. He was here for a couple years, should have been here longer. Uh, I don't know why this guy continuously gets moved. He was He's played for one, two, three, four, five teams for some reason. Uh, everybody keeps moving him. Um, he's been in Philly for a while, so it seems like things are sticking there. But this is a guy who can get you 20 points a game, can grab you a seven – seven rebounds uh you know he he could be a big part of the floor and he could take over games and and i think that him and john wall would be a very nice pairing and hopefully you know they're not too good of a pairing to the point where the the wizards miss out on bradley beal next year because if you bring out bradley beal john wall and tobias harris i think that's a sneaky good eastern conference team that could maybe i don't win a series at least well, hopefully the hopefully the uh, Wizards don't give up on them after half a season like the Milwaukee Bucks did. Yeah, weird. It's really interesting because he wasn't he was a one and done, but he wasn't a one and done that anyone was real excited about. The knock on him was that he wouldn't try. He didn't work hard enough. He was out of shape. Uh, 
his last game at Tennessee will always uh, stick out in my head because I think Michigan blew them off the court by 40 points in the NCAA tournament. And it, it's his uh, his reputation seemed to follow him through. Milwaukee dumped him after a year and a half to Orlando. Orlando gave him to Detroit for, for nothing, essentially, for expiring contracts. But I'll tell you what, uh, we, we've mentioned all the players that we've draft, uh, drafted so far. Kawhi Leonard, Jimmy Butler, Kyrie Irving, Clay Thompson, uh, Nikola Vucevic. Uh, Tobias Harris has played in more games and has played more minutes than any of those players. He has a, he has had more floor time than any player in this draft class to this day. <laughs> that he is just effective. Uh, he's never been an All Star. He's he's probably going to go down as one of the best players never to be an All Star, but. He's an extremely effective, uh, versatile scoring stretch four. Uh, not the best defender, but he plays on teams that win games. There's a reason for that. And, yeah, the, the Pistons eventually gave up on him, too. They traded him for Blake Griffin, which wasn't a bad deal at the time. But, yeah, there, there was definitely a, a small part of me that kind of wishes the Pistons could get Tobias Harris back because you, you don't replace guys like that. There's a reason the Sixers gave him. 40 some million a year which is everyone laughs at that contract now but if there was another guy out there that they could have replaced him with they would have there wasn't okay so in a very sad twist of irony uh the the charlotte bobcats god i hate that name it's so all right how many more years am i gonna have to call them this i Uh, think i think you're almost done the, the the charlotte bobcats on behalf half of the Sacramento Kings in a very, very weird three-way trade with uh, them in Milwaukee. The the Bobcats have moved up to the number seven spot, and I am going to select Kemba Walker. Uh, how would Kemba Walker change the, the future of the Hornets? Well, we already know that because they drafted him. Uh, he is the all-time leading scorer in the history of the, the Hornets franchise. Uh, he was the one... Uh, true all-star that they've had that they actually kept longer than four years even today i know he is very much beloved in the city of charlotte uh in the area that i live in uh it's weird because his career essentially ended the year after he left boston he went to or left charlotte he went to boston his knees weren't great and he was kind of done after a year and he still tried and hang around but it's just ten day contract stuff. There, he hasn't found a, a foothold in the league anymore. But still, to this day, he is he has the second most points in this draft class behind Kyrie Irving, and he has the most assists in this draft class. So it is kind of insulting in a way that he dropped all the way to seventh anyway, because you in, in his prime, uh, there were not too many more explosive offensive creators on planet earth uh than Kemba Walker. Uh Kemba Walker is just and I I got the pleasure of seeing him play uh having moved it in the down to Charlotte this area about uh 13 years ago. I I got to see essentially his entire career play out and when he got going he was unstoppable. Uh a little on the short side, 6 feet tall, that always bothered him uh defensively but his footwork was some of the best footwork I've ever seen on a point guard. Uh, the way he could stop on a dime, pull up, 
the way he could see the floor. And the best part, of, he wasn't even that good his his first couple of years. His first year, the Horn, uh, the Bobcats were one of the worst teams in the history of the league, which is the the season we're about to enter in after this 2011 draft. Um, he he was he did not come into the NBA with a ton of fanfare, and everyone kind of gave up on him after his rookie year. And all of a sudden, he he blossomed into this incredible player. I, I think he is a a great story. Okay, uh, so and you seem to have a habit of picking for the Pistons. Have yes, you picked for the Pistons every single time? I yeah, it's uh, been a while since you, you have since, picked for since the Pistons. the Pistons have been in the lottery. Yeah. All right, so number with the number eight pick. Uh, my co-host is once again representing the Detroit Pistons, and uh, God, they have we have right now at this point. I think we have Greg Monroe and not a whole lot else. Uh, Vernon Macklin, uh, Damian Wilkins, you know those guys. Uh, well, those guys Day. were those. Well, Vernon Macklin was, I think, the second round pick of the 2011. Yeah, yeah. yeah so they don't have him yet or ever. So. Uh, Chaos can be fun, Keith. Chaos can always be fun. Here's the situation. This team was in a, originally took Brandon Knight with this pick. And look, Brandon Knight was okay. He was fine. I think the thing that everyone will always remember him for is either his crossover battle with Kyrie Irving in the uh, uh, Rising Stars game or getting absolutely yeah. demolished by DeAndre Jordan. Uh, in one of the sickest dunks in NBA history, I think. Um, I'm not going to take him here. That leaves us with just Will Bynum and Walker Russell, who I think is probably another uh, second-round pick in this year's draft. Okay. I'm going to take a point guard. I think I know where you're going with this, and I'm going to like it. The best point guard left on the board also happens to have the name of the greatest point guard that this team has ever had. I am taking Isaiah Thomas <laughs> to be the new Pistons point guard in 2011. Look, he's five foot nine. That scared a lot of people off. That's why probably why he went all the way down to, uh, he was the 60th pick in this draft initially, but the guy was unbelievable. And, I mean, he, he he put up numbers like crazy. He's a two-time All-Star. He was All-NBA in 2017. All-NBA. Uh, this guy, 28 points a game he scored that season. I mean, he is a legitimate scorer. He, the, the, the size of, you know, doesn't, hasn't really bothered him too much. He can get around everybody at tremendous speed. Good facilitator. Uh, it's a shame that, you know, his career kind of ended I know he's still, you know, he was on a roster last year, but his career kind of ended abruptly. Like he just suddenly wasn't that good anymore. But when he was at his peak, he was, uh, he was one of the best players in the league. I mean, all NBA guy. And now he's your uh, Detroit Pistons point guard. Yeah. Isaiah Thomas. And I actually, by chance, happened to see him play once uh, when he was at the university of Washington and it immediately made me want to see more University of Washington games. I probably watched him play half a dozen times that season. I, I was in love with his game when he was a, a college player. And I have made plenty of mistakes in my draft analysis. I, I, I wanted the Pistons to, to grab him 
so badly <laughs> and it, it broke my heart when when they passed on him for Vernon I think Vernon Macklin but yeah in, in any case I, Isaiah Thomas uh or you know as a certain contention of Piston fans called him at the time was IT2 even though they actually had no relation to each other uh, right. He was named Isaiah Thomas because his father lost a bet. That was that was the genesis of his name. Oh, I did but, not know that. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a bet over the nineteen eighty nine uh, NBA Finals. Oh my gosh, that's funny. All right, so yeah, you bring up his height a lot, which his height followed him into the NBA, despite. Uh, having a, a very, very good rebounding average for a guy his size. All, when he steps on the court, all anyone sees is he's 5'9", 185 pounds, which is on an NBA court that is minuscule. So he goes to Sacramento. Sacramento treats him as a, as a third guard. He has a very, very good career with Sacramento. Fan favorite. They dump him instead of paying him to Phoenix. He has an excellent uh, half season there. Uh, as a backup and they kind of dump him to Boston for or actually I think he signed with Boston I can't remember I think it was a free agency thing but he goes to Boston for next to nothing and Boston takes advantage of that and turns him into a perennial all-star two of the his three seasons in Boston he was an all he made the all-star team Uh, he was fifth in MVP he didn't just average 29 points a game he was fifth in MVP voting uh, in in 2017 and he, I think he's uh, the the answer to the question. Well, you know, could could these little guards in the '80s play today? Um, Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas is five foot nine, as I said, one hundred eighty five pounds. He was averaging almost thirty points a game five years ago. I don't want to hear that today's guards are too big or too athletic <laughs> for for guards of of yesteryear. I don't want to hear that. Uh, but yeah, I think it is kind of tragic that his body gave out on him just when he was, when he finally had the leverage to demand uh, the contract that he he truly deserved and he never really got it. And I thought that was terrible. And the way he left Boston after pouring his heart out, scoring 50 points in a playoff game and they ship him off uh, to Cleveland in a package for Kyrie Irving. That was just I get it. That was the business of basketball, but I, that's also that was also kind of heartbreaking. Uh, looking at looking at it from the outside, but yeah, look, if the Pistons drafted Isaiah Thomas number eight, in reality, they would get laughed at uh, for for a number of reasons. Why are you drafting a five nine guy? Oh, you're you're just drafting him for the name. But I'll, I'll tell you what, uh, he well, he absolutely was tough enough to play in Detroit. He would have been. Uh, very much a fan favorite. I think he would have been a career piston uh, if they had drafted him that high. He would have definitely have proven the doubters wrong in Detroit, just like he did uh, in Boston. Wonder okay. though, I wonder though if if there will be a lot of pressure on him though with the name. No, because he, he, he because he's not really related to Isaiah Thomas. I know, but so people I, will I, go, "Well, the last Isaiah Thomas was great. If this one's not great, then." Uh, uh. Well, he, that's true, but I, I think comparing him to the greatest player that ever played for your team, I don't know. I almost see that as a benefit because no one expects him to be the greatest player if you're picking him eighth, right? Yeah. So no, no, no one would have expected him to to be as good as the the first Isaiah Thomas. 
I, I think I don't know. I, I think he he would have been graded on a curve. I think it would have helped him. Okay. Okay, so the Charlotte Bobcats, just like you get the Pistons, I keep getting the Bobcats, and I keep having to say that, that stupid name. The the Bobcats are back up uh, with the ninth pick in the draft, and I've already uh, – I've kept history going by taking Kemba Walker. I am not going to take Bismack Biombo here. Oh. I am going to take – you know what? I'm going to take a center, but it's not going to be him. It's going to be Jonas Valanciunas. And the one thing that the Bobcats really lacked, or the horn, and when they became the Hornets with with Kemba Walker, was they never had that reliable uh, big man that could score in the half court. Uh, they never had that reliable second score, that post up option. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas is all of those things. Uh, he once again, just like Vucevic, he is a guy that's still very good today. Still a guy that can put the ball in the basket. Still a guy that's able to exist as a true center in today's small ball world. He, he can do all of those things. Uh, he was one of my favorite pro- prospects in this draft. I, I ca- caught a couple of his uh, games over in Europe. I, I really enjoyed watching him play. I thought he had really, very good footwork. And he's, he's kind of uh, proven me right because he's still in the league at this point, uh, 12 years later. Uh, but, yeah, there's not much else for me to say here. I think he pairs extremely well with Kimball Walker moving forward. I, I think he makes the Hornets a more dangerous team than they than they actually were in the mid twenty tens when they were making their their little playoff runs. All right. Okay. So, all right. I mentioned before uh, the Bobcats at number seven got their got the got that pick courtesy of the the Sacramento Kings uh, in a three way deal with the Bucks. All right. Now at pick number ten. This is the other leg of that deal where the Bucks, who had the 10th pick, traded it to the Kings. And would you like to know what the Bucks received for trading out of the out of this draft? I would where, love where the, I, I am going to all right. The Bobcat here, here's here's how it laid out. The Bobcats essentially got the seventh pick and Corey Maggetti's crappy contract, which they offloaded to Detroit a year later. Uh the, the the Kings moved down from seven to 10 and the Milwaukee Bucks, instead of draft picks got Tobias Harris, Steven Jackson, Sean Livingston, and Bino Udrin. <laughs> so the Bucks I won mean, this they, basically. <laughs> you would think so, except yeah. that none of those guys lasted in Milwaukee more that's, than a year. Yeah, that's true. But it's, yeah, absolutely. Normally you would say if you're trading out of the top 10, and just giving up your draft picks, you're not trading down, you're trading out. You're probably losing that trade. But in fact, if you look at the talent the Bucks got in return, no, they got four very useful players. Uh, they just didn't know how to use them. It was a very interesting trade. All right, so I, I think I've delayed you enough. Uh, That's right. My, the uh, Sacramento Kings are up at number 10. Who you got? I'm going to take uh, Jimmer for a debt. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to take Jimmer, but... Uh, for the kids who are younger and don't remember Jimmer for that, he was uh, a freaking sensation in his senior year before this draft. Like 28 points a game for BYU. He was huge. You don't remember Jimmer for that? No, I, I very much remember Jimmer, J- Jimmer for that from BYU. Yes. Yes. Yeah, sensation. 
He was a college sensation. He was a college sensation, baby. Absolutely. He was a sensation at BYU. You're absolutely right. Yes. But. (laughs) At BYU. At BYU. But definitely not in the NBA. Uh, So this team is going to need a point guard since they are not going to take Denver for that. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Pistons legend Reggie Jackson here. Um, Okay. You're not actually taking Jimmer for dead. No, no, no. God, no. Oh, okay. (laughs) No, this is a joke. No, I'm taking uh, Reggie Jackson here. And, uh, you know, Reggie is, I mean, Pistons fans know, know what Reggie can do. He's, he's a great scoring point guard. Uh, You know, he, he tends to do, go a little bit too much into the hero ball stuff sometimes. And, and I think that, uh, that certainly made him wear out his welcome in Detroit, but you know, this is, he's, he's been a pretty dependable guy in the league, uh, for a while. Now he's an NBA champion. He just won a, his first title with Denver uh, a month or two ago. Yeah. One of the most unfairly, I think, treated athletes that the Pistons have ever had, Richie Jackson, mainly because of the contract, which was kind of pricey for its time, but not terrible. Uh, everyone called it an overpay, and I don't believe it ever was. Uh, Reggie Jackson is kind of weird. He he got he fell in the draft. He goes to an incredible Oklahoma City team, and he's backing up Russell Westbrook, who rarely gets hurt and plays forty minutes a game, so he's not getting much of an opportunity to play. And everyone kind of criticized him because he wasn't happy not playing when you, the Oklahoma City Thunder were a championship contender. So everyone's telling him, hey, you should be happy. You're, you could get the ring. And he says, no, I don't want the ring. I want a career. And he got criticized for that. So he goes to Detroit, who badly needed a point guard after Brandon Jennings tore his Achilles, which ended his career. And Stan Van Gunny believes in him. He gives him the money. And he gives him you know a five-year guaranteed contract. and. Reggie Jackson almost became like the symbol for everything wrong for, for every loss the Detroit Pistons took, which really wasn't his fault. If you look at his Pistons career, and if you look at, I got, I wish I had these numbers in front of me right now, but the Pistons record over that period when he played and when he didn't play, it was staggering. Uh, they were, they actually had a winning record when he played, when he didn't play, they, they were so far under, they were probably a three, 35% uh, winning percentage team. They were a terrible team without him. And I, I think that speaks both to how good Reggie Jackson, how much better Reggie Jackson was than people realize, and how poorly a job State Van Gunny did uh, building a team that could withstand the loss of Reggie Jackson. Uh, speaking of which, I, I got done praising Kyrie Irving as one of the greatest ball handlers of all time. Uh, Reggie Jackson's not too far behind, and I, I hate to break this to everybody, but he is an incredible ball handler. Uh, extremely low turnover uh, rate with while dribbling the ball. Uh, he could get by you almost at will without any athleticism really at all. He was just very, very good at handling the ball. Uh, he had the thing on a string, it seemed, uh, at his peak. And the other thing I, I remember about Reggie Jackson, he was never afraid to take the big shot make it, miss it, and he made plenty of them. But there was never any fear in his game. And everyone on Twitter remembers him for his Clipper days uh, when, when the Clippers are, are are down one point with time running out against the Lakers and you see Reggie Jackson just skipping skipping up the floor with the ball 
like like it's the middle of the second quarter because he's totally unaffected by the pressure. Uh, that, that's what I love about uh, Reggie Jackson. I I think he was I was happy to see him go, not because he was a a bad player, but because I I just thought the situation in Detroit uh, was just had just gone full, fully toxic. And I, I do regret that. I, I have a lot of regrets about that uh, era because I think you made a great pick here. I think Reggie Jackson is arguably one of the top 10 players of this draft, even though I don't have him there. All right. The Golden State Warriors with the number 11 pick. And we've kind of crippled them already because they're not getting Clay Thompson. So who are we picking instead here? We, we're not obviously we're not going to replace Clay Thompson. He was a one of a kind player. So I am going to go. I I'm going to go a little bit off the wall here. I'm going to select Nikola Mirotic. Really, he only played five years. Yes, but it's not because he couldn't play. It's because he got offered more money to go play in Spain and the the teams that he was on were he he was never in a good situation. Mm. I am willing to bet that playing with Steph Curry, playing with Draymond Green and Golden State, I am willing to bet that he they are willing to pay him enough money to stay in the NBA because I think he's a terrific fit for this Golden State Warriors team. Uh he's not gonna replace Clay Thompson, but he does to his credit <clears throat> have very, very, very good pick-and-pop shooting skills. Uh, pretty decent two-way player. I don't know if he could start in a championship team, but at the very worst, he's the sixth or seventh man on a, on a championship team. <clears throat> uh, there's not really much else I can say about him because, like you said, he only played five years in the NBA before uh, Europe took him back. But it wasn't because he didn't have a job. <laughs> I, I think the Milwaukee Bucks had traded like five second round picks to get him uh, prior to him leaving. It was just, he just didn't have a, a situation that made him happy. I'm, will, I'm willing to bet Steph Curry and Steve Kerr and Draymond, well, maybe not Draymond Green, but I, I'm willing to bet the Golden State Warriors would have found a way to make him happy. Okay, fair enough. <clears throat> um, I am going to... Uh... I'm going to do something here that is going to wind up happening in the future anyways. And I am going to send Bojan Bogdanovic to the Utah jazz uh, several years early. Um, it's going to be interesting. Maybe, maybe they could talk him out of, I don't know, maybe they could somehow get him from Turkey. So he doesn't have to play three crucial years of his career in, in Turkey before he finally shows up to Brooklyn. He gets drafted by Miami, never actually plays for Miami. Um, but once he gets to Brooklyn, he, he almost immediately shows that he's a pretty good player. And, uh, and obviously Pistons fans know him pretty well. He was their leading scorer last year. Um, yes, it was the worst year in Pistons history, but, uh, somebody had to be the leading scorer on that team. And, and, uh, I don't know, he seems to be the big, will they, won't they trade him? Uh, guy this year. We'll see what happens. Maybe he sticks around. I think they should just hold on to him, but that's that. I think uh, Clay Thompson and Bojan Bogdanovic along with um, you know, uh, Gordon Hayward, that is a very, very fun team. And Al Jefferson's there too. That's a fun team. Yeah, it'd kill me not to select Bojan 
for the Warriors. It was really between here he and Miritich, and I think Miritich is just a better defender. Uh, and he doesn't quite need the ball uh, as much in order to keep his rhythm. Uh, Bojan, as every Pistons fan saw last season, an incredibly gifted uh, uh, scorer. He's not just a shooter. He, he He's a scorer that can also shoot. Uh, mid-range, uh, driving to the basket, he's not athletic at all, but he can, he's effective finishing with either hand. Uh, very big guy. He's 6'7". I swear he's 6'8 or 6'9 when he plays because he just looks bigger than the guy guarding him all the time. Uh, and also, he is an excellent spot-up shooter. He can come off screens. He can shoot off the dribble. Uh, he gave LeBron James uh, and the Cavs fits uh, in the playoffs in 2018 in the first round, which the Pacers outplayed that Cavs team in every facet. They just didn't win the series. Yeah, I, I Bojan is one of my favorite uh, players in the league to watch just because he's so efficient at what he does on offense. Uh, on defense, yeah, he's he struggles, but that's okay. That's just not a club in his bag, and it's not like we're drafting him in the top five. Right. Uh, but, but, yeah, look, Bojan is, is still a very, very effective player today at age, what, what is he, 33, 34? Right. He's still a pretty, very effective player today, and there's a lot of contenders that would love to have him. So, yeah, any pick in this range, uh, Bojan goes. Uh, that's that's perfectly okay. Uh, who did I select for the for the Jazz at, at number three? You took Clay Thompson. Um, I did take Clay Thompson. So that is a hell of a. I got uh, we've got Clay Thompson and Bojan Bogdanovich. It's a good draft. You did it. Yeah, yeah. That is a hell. That is a really really good draft haul. Um, that would make them a very, very dangerous team in a few years. Okay, so my final pick, uh, representing the Phoenix Suns at number 13. They're kind of in the muck right now. And I see no way to get them out of it, so I'm just going to hold tight here. I'm going to select uh, Marcus Morris. Uh, Marcus Morris, one of the top 10 uh, players on my board, even though he's going at 13 simply because he is an isolation player. He, he does require a specific set of circumstances, a certain type of team to allow him to do what he does best. Uh, but that doesn't excuse the fact that in terms of being an ISO scorer, he's probably one of the top five players in this draft class. He's that good. Uh, you give him the ball, he will put the ball in the basket. He will find ways to do that. He can play off the ball just a little bit. He can defend a little bit. He's not great at it either a particular thing. Uh, but there's a reason that he has made so much more money than his brother, uh, Markeef has. And that's because he is a very, very, very good uh, three-level score. And I know things are not going to end well with him in Phoenix, but I don't know. Ho hope, hopefully uh, they don't draft, uh, they don't find a way to acquire both brothers and therefore have a falling out when they want to trade one of them. Right. Oh. All right. So, last pick in this in this very, I man, I had so much to say about this entire draft class. This is just really really fun. There are some good players left on that would they won't even get mentioned. Right. All right. So, yep. Houston Rockets, number fourteen. Okay. Um. So just looking at this Rockets team, um, you know they actually have, it's not the worst team in the world. It's actually. 
on paper on paper it's not the like it's a really weird they've got Kyle Lowry but he's not quite Kyle Kyle Lowry yet they've got uh Kevin Martin they've got uh who's Courtney Lee Chase Buttinger uh Goran Dragic Johnny Flynn is over here now Court uh I mentioned Courtney Lee Marcus Camby but an old Marcus Camby uh but a still useful Marcus Camby I should say um Really, I think the best thing to do here is look. There's just nobody left on the board that's gonna that's gonna really change things around too much here. Uh, I think I think you get him a good defensive player, a good guy who can get out there and get rebounds and can do some dirty work. I'm gonna take Tristan Thompson here. Okay, and, and we'll just kind of push it off to next year and see what we can get in the next draft. Well, you know, you know, next year, uh, James Harden is going to be on his way and Jeremy Lin is going to be on his way. There you go. Yeah. So next year, this team's going to get to get figured out and they're going to have Tristan Thompson on the on the roster already. And uh, I mean, Thompson's not a big score. He'll get you 10, 11 points a game. But it's really that that re- he's a, he's a master on the boards. He's he's going to get double figures and rebounds for you. Uh, he'll block some shots. He'll play dirty defense. He'll 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 get the job done. I mean, there's a reason why those Cleveland teams kept him around for so long. Um, and there's a reason why he's still playing in the NBA today. It's, it's just, and you know, there's a reason why Scotty Pippen's ex-wife decided to date him. Um, <laughs> but yeah. 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 There's always that one guy in the draft class in, in every draft class that turns out to be a good player or a very useful player, but is still looked down upon because he was drafted way higher than he should have been in this, in this particular class, that's Tristan Thompson. If Tristan Thompson was the 15th pick in this draft, everyone would look at his career and say, Hey man, he, he, he really did well for himself. A, a guy with very limited offensive ability, not that tall, just got by with, with sheer effort and, and, and toughness. But instead, you know, he's the he's the guy that was the fourth pick in the draft ahead of five, six all stars. So it's in, it's interesting how perception changes, even though you can have the exact same career. Uh, yeah, I I don't I don't I don't dislike Tristan Thompson at number fourteen at all. I think I think he's a very good fit uh, for this at least this Rockets team in this season and the and the season after this. Um. Yeah. That's. That's going to do it for uh, for the 2011 draft. I quick want to just throw out some names of guys who didn't make the draft just to show how deep this thing is. Uh, Brandon Knight, Alec yep. Burks, Markeith yep. Morris, Chandler yep. Parsons, Kenneth yep. Fareed. Um, I mean, those guys were all on my board and, and didn't wind up getting drafted. Um, I'm sure you probably have some extra guys that you were thinking about too. No, those guys are all on my board as well. Uh, I mean, I might have even included uh, Derek Williams, Ahmad Shumpert, maybe. Uh, I I would. <laughs> no, okay, Keith. Not not, not in this draft class. No, Keith would not do that. Uh, okay, uh, Marshawn Brooks. You a Marshawn Brooks guy? Not really. No. no okay. Good, good, some, good, some good fun years with the Nets, but. I he was like one of the early Twitter darlings where everyone would just go nuts when Marshawn Brooks played. Yeah. And it, it was like I I just I'm just not seeing it. He can put the ball in the basket, but he can't defend. He's not big enough. Uh he's not gonna guy that's gonna create for others. He he's 
I don't know. I, I, I just never got the infatuation, the one to two year infatuation with Marshawn Brooks. Before we uh, before we move on, I just want to do one little thing here. I'm going to go through the draft order real quick. And I want to I want to count, we're going to count how many guys uh, played for the Pistons that were currently played for the Pistons. Uh, so let's see. We got <clears throat> we'll start off with Brandon Knight. That's one. Uh, Kemba Walker, does that count? No. Okay, Kevin Walker does not. You count. have to at least play a game. All right, Alec Burks, Marcus okay. Morris. Uh, let's see, Tobias Marquise Harris. Morris. Yep, Markeith was here too. Um, Reggie Jackson makes six. Kojo is in this draft at seven. Okay. Kyle Singler is eight. Uh, I th- think Vernon Macklin's nine. I think that's it. Nine. Nine players from this draft either play for the Pistons now or used to play They're for Well, them. if you look at the undrafted players, Dwight Vikes. Oh, so get 10. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, Willie, I think Willie Reed technically played a game for the Pistons. Hey, Willie Reed, that that's 11. I, I could have sworn he, he came in with Blake Griffin. I thought he played like one game and then they cut him. Oh my God, he did come in with Blake Griffin. I yeah. forgot that Blake didn't come in by himself. Poor Willie Reed, man. Yeah, we'll be forever known as the guy that they asked Stephen <laughs> Gunny about. Is Willie? Could Willie Reed be like a sleeper in this trade? <laughs> Stephen Gunny rolled his eyes, and the next day he cut him from oh, the team. Man. Oh, well, <laughs> jeez. All right. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. We will be back next week. We're covering a player uh, and it's going to be the late, great uncle cliff, cliff Robinson uh, played for the Pistons for a short period of time, but it was an impactful period of time. Um, and plus we're definitely going to talk about his time with the blazers and uh, playing against the Pistons in the 1990 NBA finals. And I'm sure we're going to talk about the headband as well. Um, We will see you guys next week with Cliff Robinson.